Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Luann's Land Podcast. Now, here's your host, award-winning country music artist, Luann Hunt. If you are in crisis, there is help here in the Victor Valley at Valley Star Crisis Walk-In Center. Located at 12240 Hesperia Road, Suite A in Victorville. According to Rick Klotz, Regional Administrator for Valley Star Health, the center is open 24-7 and is here to serve those who are going through a mental or emotional crisis or who are contemplating suicide. It recently opened and Rick is here today to talk about the facility and all the wonderful services it offers to high desert residents. So hello, Rick. How are you doing today? I'm well, thank you. Great. It's so wonderful to have you on the show. And I'm really glad that we're going to be discussing what I think is a pretty relevant topic in the world today. So I want to start out by you just giving a little bit of an overview about what you are doing at your facility. Okay. To start out, I'm the regional administrator for the Valley Star Behavioral Health Programs. And in the high desert, we um, have a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week crisis walk-in center that welcomes um, people in the community that are experiencing any type of crisis. We are not limited to um, a specific type of crisis or a specific acuity of a crisis. It is what you, what you deem a crisis, and you're welcome to come into to the facility. Our, I, real quickly, our process is that you come in and we would have a nurse assess you for any medical concerns or conditions, and then you could meet with a clinician and do some short-term therapy, discuss what the crisis is, and then we also have a what we call a peer family advocate, which is a person with lived experience that helps link you back into the community once um, your crisis has calmed down a little bit. It's not an inpatient program, so you can be in the facility for up to 23 hours. And um, during that 23 hour period, we, we will try to get you linked with services back into the community so you can stabilize and move forward. If, if the situation is such that you need a higher level of care, such as hospitalization, um, then we will work with you to either voluntarily go into the hospital or we will um, assist in getting you there in any way that, that we can manage. So can you kind of give me an example of a crisis that would prompt someone to come to your center? Sure. Um, somebody might, might be, have a history of depression, and they woke up that morning, and they, they might be experiencing some suicide ideation, feeling overwhelmed, feeling that they, they can't um, get through the day. Typically, in the past, before the crisis walk-in centers um, were developed in San Bernardino County, that would um, influence somebody to insist that the client go and get hospitalized because they were ex experiencing that, those feelings. 
now it gives an opportunity for uh, the person to come in and, and kind of talk through um, what's going on. Our clinicians can do a, a, a fairly deep assessment on, you know, do you have a plan? Um, how, how do you plan on carrying out that plan? Is it with pills or a gun? What means do you have? And then we'll, we'll usually talk with them. Our, our belief is that you have to ask the questions and you have to um, not be afraid. People, people are coming to you hoping that you're going to ask the right questions and, and work with them to, to get through the crisis. So we, we get quite a few clients that, that come in that are feeling um, experiencing suicide ideation. We get a lot of um, adolescents that come in that are experiencing what a lot of adolescents, you know, they're, they're growing up, they're trying to become more independent, but they're arguing with their parents, they're um, utilizing taking drugs. They want to come in and, and they want to get some help for it. So we have a lot of kids that come in um, each month. There's a variety of, of types of crisis that come in. You know, some people are in a crisis because they don't have food and they can't afford to pay their bills and they're about to lose their housing. So we, we have the ability to help them pay their bills. Um, we have funds through, through this program that can help them get some food, keep the electricity on, um, and so they can go back and, and get through their crisis. What other types of things would drive people to come in there that were going to commit suicide? Like what's causing all these people to want to commit suicide? Well, there's, there's a lot of reasons that, that people become um, suicidal. You know, people that have chronic depression sometimes just can't keep going through feeling depressed and, and they're not they're If they were placed on medication, um, they're not, it's not working. You know, some of the, reasons why people think about suicide is just basic hopelessness, sadness, people get angry, they act impulsive, um, anxiety. A lot of the folks that come through have had some sort of traumatic event, sexual trauma, a physical trauma. Um, they can't, can't live with it anymore. So their, their first or second or third thought is that I, I think I need to get out of this misery. And so therefore i that I feel I need to take my life. Okay. Substance use is a big um, promoter of, of suicidality. Um, not wanting to use, can't stop using. So that's an out um, that, that people think of. Do you see an increase in people that have suicidal tendencies, like say between now and 10 or 20 years ago? Well, I think there's so much going on in the world and there's so much, it's, I think it's a pretty challenging um, time to grow up and I think it's a challenging time to, to ex experience what's going on in our world. And so I would say there's, there's probably a lot more discussion about suicide and I know people are addressing it. So, so it's, it's out, out in the forefront more. So it seems that there is more, I, I can't say that it's, it's, it's an increase, but I think the awareness is, is much higher. Um, you know, we, we, we experience on the average, there's 129 suicides per day in our, in our country. And that's, that's an equivalent of about a 1,400,000 suicide attempts per year. And so those are high numbers. Um, so you have to pay attention. You have to really let people know that there are services to, 
help them talk about it. And, you know, we, we all hear all the time that call the hotline, call the hotline. But people, when they're in the middle of the crisis, they don't think of that hotline or don't carry a hotline number with them. So to really get out that there are, that there are agencies out there that are open whenever you're feeling the way you're feeling um, to help you navigate your feelings and, and, and get through the crisis. That's good that you open this here. And I would imagine it's a growing problem if it prompted you to open a center in the high desert. Yeah, so we're, we're contacted with the San Bernardino County Behavioral Health, and they recognize that um, these types of crisis programs really decrease and eliminate a lot of the, the need for hospitalization. And I think that was the biggest biggest piece of it was that um, we, we saw approximately 6,000 clients last year between our two, our two crisis walk-in centers. We have one in Victorville and one in Yucca Valley. And we saw approximately 6,000 clients, up to 6,000 clients. And we diverted 97% of those clients from hospitalization. So this, it works if you give people a chance to talk and, and have somebody um, sit there and provide the support that, that they're asking for. I think our biggest failure is nobody wants to talk about it. You know, if, if you know somebody's suicidal, you don't want to bring it up because it might, might be more suicidal. And then the reality is it, it helps. They want you to ask the questions. Um, so it's important to really get the message out that anybody can ask the questions. It doesn't have to be a, a clinician or somebody that's trained in, trained in the field. And a lot of times people that are at that point really just do need someone to talk to or, or just a way to vent out all their frustrations. Yeah, we, we often speak, I know when I, I train our new staff, I ask them, if you can just give somebody 10 minutes when you meet them to talk, most people don't have the opportunity to have somebody listen for 10 minutes. And you'll be amazed in 10 minutes what people will say and how productive that 10 minutes was for them if you're, if you're listening. It's so much of the time somebody starts talking and the person listening is, is preparing an answer or preparing another question and not really giving the person a full opportunity to spend 10 minutes to tell them what's going on. And so that's, that's kind of our approach is like, you got the floor for, for 10 minutes because that, you know, we, we want to hear you. And it's been very successful. It's, um, clients are saying nobody's listened to me like this before. So we, we really work with, with when we train other, other providers also to just let people talk. They, they, they need the opportunity to do so. That's really wonderful. So once someone leaves your center after going through that period of being able to talk and get some help, what do you advise them to do? Should they go and get further counseling? What would be like the protocol? Well, we, we do a, a person-centered approach, and so we ask them what they want, and, and we take the lead on that. If, if they're interested in counseling, we will hook them up with um, outpatient counseling in the community. We, we have a lot of uh, agencies that we work with that can provide longer-term therapy. Um, if they need a short-term residential uh, crisis, that doesn't mean that they need to be in a hospital. We also operate a 16-bed um, crisis residential treatment center that people can voluntarily come to and, and get, get chilled out a little bit. We, we spend a lot of time, if they're homeless, we'll, we'll work on 
finding them home, finding them some home or help them get into a shelter, which is a pretty limited um, concept up in the high desert. And so we, we work really hard with, with various agencies and, and people who provide services on a longer term basis. And then we do what we call a warm handoff and, and we'll take them to wherever they're going. We'll take them home. We have a vehicle that we transport. If somebody calls and they don't have a way in, we'll go, we'll come, we'll go and get them and bring them back and we'll take them where they need to go once they're discharged. So do you make a concerted effort then to track their progress afterwards? We, unfortunately we don't. Um, we, what we do, we often hear from the clients, they'll call the following week or they'll call a month later and say, Hey, I got into drug treatment and I'm sober now. And I wanted to thank you guys. Um, every client that is there before they leave, we ask them to complete a satisfaction survey. So we take all of their feedback and we develop the good and the negative and see, see what we can do better. And we probably have about 85% of our clients are willing to fill out the survey. And, and we're not just looking for, you were wonderful. We're looking for what we could have done better. And they're all pretty willing to um, participate. We also have a, a, a psychiatrist available if, if folks need medication support. And so um, that, that's an option that we can at least get, get them started on medications if they need it. That's really, truly, our last resort, because we believe people can um, do a lot without medication, but if, if there's a need and, and if they're already on medication and for some reason their medication ran out, then we have a psychiatrist available to um, evaluate them and, and help them get them on meds or get back on meds. You work with youngsters too? We work all ages. We see approximately about 65 children and adolescents per month out of the uh, 250 clients that we see at this in our Victor Real site. So we get a lot of, um, mostly adolescents, we probably get out of the 60, we probably get 15 um, kids, meaning up, up five, age five up to age 12 is what we consider a child. And how about military with maybe PTSD and things like that? We, we definitely, especially in our Yucca Valley Crisis Walking Center, we do get more uh, military that really don't want to uh, receive services from the military because there's a stigma connected to it. And so we, we do see, um, you know, military people do filter in um, to try to get, get stable or families or their, their kids or their family. You know, there's a lot of issues with, with kids that their parents de deploy. And so we, we try to help get the kids set up and, you know, treatment um, in the community to help them just get through the, the rough times. Well, that's great that so many people of all different walks of life are coming in to get help. I think it's really important for, for this type of service. It is every economic status that comes into our clinic. It's, it's, it's just not people who are on Medi-Cal, it's just not people who, who don't have insurance. We provide service to anybody. You don't have to have insurance to get, to get services through us. The county um, has funding for those who don't have insurance. Um, so it's all kinds of people that come through the clinic and, and, and they're the misnomer that, oh, only people on Medi-Cal are seeking these types of services. And it really is just to help anybody that's in a crisis. And sometimes you just don't want to go 
and tell a family member that you're struggling. So you, you have somebody to, to come to and you can come anytime. We're open 20, 24 hours a day. So it's a, it's, it's a, it's a wide variety of folks that come through the door. Now, what is the atmosphere like in there? Do you have really comfy couches or, you know, what does it look like inside? Well, we, we have started, we started on all of our programs with what we call a, a recovery model. And what that, in our language, what that means is that our environments are not clinic looking. They, you know, our lobby obviously is clinic looking because they come in and we get the folks, we don't know what people are walking in the door. They're, they're strangers to us. So we do have a, a, a um, lobby that looks like a clinic, but then you, once, you're, once you're in the door and once we know what you're there for, we have it, what we have is more like a living room environment. We have recliners and couches and TV, coffee tables. Um, it's, a, it's an open, open space. It sounds so um, designer-like. It's open concept. So there, there really isn't, um, you know, we're, we're working with clients, finding them resources on the computer in the living room. So people are working together. Um, there's a, when clients are there, when there are eight or nine clients there at a time, they're actually networking with each other. So it's, it's the ability to kind of bring these people together and, and, and recognize that, that they have similar issues and they actually support each other while they're, while they're waiting. That's really great. Yeah, so some of the, of the folks that come in, it's, it's a lot about they're feeling isolated and they're, they're not socializing. And so they have the ability to, you know, come in. We're very informal. Our nurses are informal. We don't wear you know, uniforms. We just wear street clothes and it's very casual. Um, our, our doctors, when they do see the psychiatrist, we use telepsychiatry. And so the doctor's on the screen and the clients have given us the best feedback that they they are less intimidated by having a doctor on the television screen than, than they are um, in person. So that's been very effective with, with the work we do. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's amazing how technology changes so much. Amazing. I agree. It's just wonderful that you have opened the center here, and I'm sure that a lot of people are going to be happy to hear about it because sometimes when you do something new, it's, it's really hard to get the word out. So we're happy to let folks know that there is help right here in our own community. I, I certainly hope, hope that um, if people, when people listen that they have any more questions, they can contact the center. Um, and we can do whatever we can do to help people, you know, get through their crisis. I, it's, it's important for people that are not, that are family members and friends just to learn about us. So, so when, their loved one is in, in some sort of crisis or distress that they know about us so they can, they can recommend it. So what number should they call, Rick? 760-245-8837. And that is the Valley Star Crisis Walk-In Center located at the corner of Hesperia and Bear Valley. And then we do have a second location in Yucca Valley. And that number is 760-365. 2233. And you can go online and look under Valley Star Behavioral Health and all of these numbers and all of our services are listed there also. I'm really glad, like I said, that you're here and I'm just so delighted that you were able to take some time out today to come on and talk about this wonderful service that you're offering. And I wish you all the best. And folks who are listening, take this opportunity if you're in crisis and give them a call. So thank you, Rick. 
Yeah, I also want to thank you very much for giving us the opportunity. We really believe in what we're doing, and I think we can make a big impact in the community. Listen to Luann's Land Podcast on Tuesdays from noon to 12.30 p.m. Pacific at luannslandpodcast.com or luannslandpodcast.buzzsprout.com. Follow the show on Facebook at Luann's Land Podcast and on Twitter at Luann's Land. All episodes will be archived for free on-demand streaming.